Um, welcome back uh, to Valley, and uh, we've been gone for a few weeks, and I wanted to start off by thanking our three elders that covered the pulpit while we were gone, Pastor Jamie, uh, Bruce, and uh, Dr. Brian, who covered the pulpit. Would you guys give those, those mighty men a round of applause for their service? Really, so that my family and I could go and uh, get some time, much-needed time away to be with my family up in northern Michigan, and uh, it was kind of a tough thing. Some of you have known that it's, we've been you know, praying for my mother, who's been sick. It's been very sick for a while, and as a matter of fact, just before we left, it was kind of touch and go as to what, what was going to happen there. I'll give you a little more about that here in a bit. But anyway, but I talked to her yesterday. She's doing much, much better. As a matter of fact, the two biggest scares have all been wiped away, and so she's doing much better. And uh, I think just having her, uh, her, uh, her little David boy there in town really, really was helpful. And uh, having Meredith and Ben be with her uh, in the evenings and uh, Ben playing his piano. My mom is a, you got to know about my mom. My mom's a mezzo-soprano. She is a diva of the stage. She was quite the something and, uh, and, uh, in, her, in her day. And so to have Ben in there playing piano was just such a wonderful thing for her. And, and uh, so anyway, I know she's, she's probably listening in. So, hey, mom, we're so happy. And I always want to be so grateful that you've, Stood with me and prayed, prayed her through that. So anyway, uh, glad to be back, wonderful to be back here with our family. So we're in this uh, series called 10 Talks, and God has given us a pathway. He's given us a roadmap. And uh, so, but you know, when you think about roadmaps and you think about all of this and GPS and all that, we talk, we think about smartphones. And, uh, you know, smartphones have become a major part of our life. And, you know, and it's so funny because some people can say, man, hey, well, stop reading the news. Well, not like I was on vacation. I was sitting in a hammock after things had kind of blown over with my mom. I was sitting in a hammock, and, and I, was, I had my phone, and my cousin walked by and said, hey, man, put that thing away. I didn't tell him I was playing Yahtzee. I mean, you know, it's, I wasn't reading some in-depth story. I wasn't, you know, doing any work. I was just mindlessly messing with my phone. We do that. And one of the things that we do, and I know you like it, and I like it, are life hacks. Right? You go to YouTube, you go to Instagram, you got these creative things, how to make art, how to, do the, how to fix things in your house, and, and it's just an amazing time we live in. And so, if you look, matter of fact, if you go to the internet and you type in life hacks and see how many Google hits you get, you get over like 13,200,000 hits uh, and opportunities and ideas for life hacks. So that's incredible. What's a life hack? Well, it's just a simple, creative way to do something that's more complex that we can do to figure out, like, who knew you could uh, de-corn a cob of corn with a Pepsi can? Uh, you know, I didn't know that. Never done that. And it's like, I believe that of the 13,200,000, about 200,000 other things you can do with a coat hanger alone. And I'm sure about half of those are not legal, but we won't talk about that. But anyway, so we got life hacks. We got these things we, that we can do. You know what? The Ten Commandments are the ultimate set of life hacks. Because that's exactly what God meant them to be. Not just don'ts. Because, see, that's the way the world looks at the Ten Commandments. It's just God being a killjoy. God trying to restrict our life. God being God who's a controlling God. And, that, and that's the way we kind of look at it. And that's why, you know, we're tearing them, tearing them down from, you know, schools and, and, and uh, courthouses and things like that. It's just like, you know, God is in my stuff. God is trying to tell me, and now Christians are shoving it. You know, the truth is, if we get to the real heart of what God was after, is that is that God knew exactly what we would need in order to prosper. He made us. He's a creator God. And so these Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions, 
but there were commandments given to his children. Now, if you think in terms, and this makes complete sense, if you think in terms of God working as, as a father to his children, they would certainly come across as that. You say, look, this is what I want you to do. Just like a father or a mother, you're going to clean your room, you're going to do it like this. You're be very stern, very direct, and that's exactly what God was doing with his children to say, look, I love you so much that these ten things are crucial, crucial. They're not just things that restrict your life. They're going to, I'm inviting you to experience some very powerful things. We're going to get into that. So the other three uh, uh, elders shared on the first three already. We talked about, you know, God saying, I'm God. And we'll go, we'll go over those. I'm going to read those here in just a minute. But so we're going to talk about these life hacks. We're going to talk about these Ten Commandments, as we have been doing. And I hope that you've seen them so far as a blessing from God. And you'll see that even more so with the fourth commandment today. So let's start and let's look at all of them and in context. And then we'll look at the fourth one. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, we're given the list and let's read it. And God spoke all these things saying, now God is speaking to who is Moses. And he's telling Moses, look, I want you to give you these and I want you to take them back to my people who are children, who by the way, at that very time, were all starting to wander away from God. You know, it didn't take long for the children to start playing and goofing off. But God was just saying, look, I want you to take these back. Gives them to Moses. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Notice what God does. He says, I've earned this. I'm the one who set you free. I'm the one who did all those amazing miracles. I'm the one who opened up the sea and got you out. I'm the one who destroyed the largest land army on the planet at the time. I'm the one who did that. So what I'm getting ready to say comes out of a heart of love and commitment to you. And here we go. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not uh, make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in, in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, that's just a side comment regarding what happens when we rebel against God. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. He says, that's what the motivation is here. I am a God of love, and that's why I'm speaking these things. I am protecting you. I'm giving you a roadmap to how you can live the best life ever. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We covered that last week. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. So he lays this out in a commandment form to give us wisdom, to give us direction, to give us a roadmap to what? The best life ever. So today we're going to talk about the Four, the, the fourth commandment, which, which really is the, the last commandment in the, the top four regarding who God is in relationship to God, okay? And then the rest will be moral 
in, in our actions and our activities with other people. All right, and so in Genesis chapter 1, we're giving more detail regarding the fourth commandment. Let's look at it, Genesis 1, 3 through 5. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Then he says, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all of his work. So God said, set that day aside, and he called it a Sabbath day. Now, what's interesting about the Sabbath day when we think of, of how that all is uh, you know, plays out, how we respond to that. How do we as Christians Sabbath? How do we respond to this commandment? Well, it's interesting because if we dig into it, which I'm, I plan to do today, we're going to find a tremendous amount of opportunity for blessing here, okay? So we're going to look at it. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, what we find is that God was most interested in their physical health. It's physical. So we have to start there. That God knew that rest was something that was built into us. So we're going to really see three aspects of the Sabbath that are so critical. Number one is that on the Sabbath, the purpose was for us, for, for God's people to stop and rest with him. So God worked for six days, and then God rested. And on that day, God invites us to rest with him. Now, there's a reason for this, because God knows, again, that he's the one that created the rhythms of the universe, and the universe and what we see take place and what happens on the earth. You know, God built on the earth time. He created it the way it is. God lives outside time and matter and space, but we live within it and within those rules. And so God also knows what we need. And what do we need? We need rest. We need physical rest. We need it you know, and, and, and we notice that in the, 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 the grand scheme of time, God made the one day, God made all the days, but God made weeks, God made years, he made the clock of the universe, and we live by it. Now, it's, what's interesting is no scientist really knows why, other than maybe, you know, through evolution and all that mess, that we, we responded to, to that. But biblically, what I believe firmly is that that's exactly the way God made us, to go with the flow of what he made, with his creation. So I need rest, and God knows we need rest. So here is the father coming and saying, look, on six days you're going to work, and on the seventh day I want you to take a break. Because I took a break to show you how to live. I want you to see that it's important that physically you rest your body for two reasons. One, that you take the time to acknowledge me. That's important. Boy, we all know how, what it gets like when we just start working, right? I mean, you can get working. You get really focused. Man, we can shoot right past lunch. We can, you know, we can shoot past work. We can, sh I mean, uh, uh, resting our bodies. I mean, we can get a lot, a lot less sleep when we just get so focused on work that sometimes we even run past a day to even take, it, take some time off to rest our bodies. So th there's the physical aspect in the Old Testament. And then... There is, the, 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 so there's the acknowledging of God on that day, and then there's the physical rest, and then there's the third, perhaps the most important part, and that is to rest our soul. We'll get to that. 
Now, when it comes to this physical rest, it's interesting. You know, there's a couple of things that you, that you can see. That when we honor God on this day, it, it's not, it, it's, it's twofold. It's one, again, we're honoring God. There's a couple of illustrations that I think really helps us. When we see by honoring God on that God day, God says, you're giving me a portion of your life to honor me. I'm going to bless the other six days. That's interesting. We can see that. People have seen that. We can say, did you know what is, and I'm not trying to, you know, endorse any business out here. It's just what you read in the news. What, who knows what is the most popular uh, fast food restaurant in the United States? Who knows? Chick-fil-A. Somebody said McDonald's on the first service. I said, no. Chick-fil-A. And it's interesting that every week they take one-seventh of their business and say, not going to do it. Right now, there are people driving up and down I-95, and they're just going, doggone it, i got to go to Arby's. You know? And there are people that are going, they're going everywhere, and they, and they look at that, and, and, and yet, not only are they the most popular because they put that, side, that day aside, they're actually one of the most prosperous business-wise. How does that work? Because they're honoring God. Now, I'm not saying, because this gets into a much deeper theological, and all I can do is refer you back to the book of Hebrews, which we did a very detailed study about a month and a half ago. You can go back and check that out, because I can't do all that. But I will say, because as Christians, we're meeting on Sunday, which is the Lord's Day. It's not the, the, the biblical Sabbath. That was yesterday. So, but the principle stands true. We're going to reboot, aren't we? Check that out. Uh, and uh, so, so, but we take the Lord's day to say we're going to honor God on this day. So what we find is in the Old Testament, it is a capsule of wisdom. It's not the legalistic control of it. We, we know that. As Christians, we walk away from the Old Testament, not as Jews, but we walk away saying, there's a lot of wisdom in there. The moral law and the ceremonial law, not only was it there to teach them to honor God, but it was to teach them how to take care of themselves. And so in it, when we honor God in any way that we choose, Chick-fil-A just happened to do what they're doing. And they said, it's under God that our whole business, we're going to dedicate that time. We're going to shut it all down. We want our employees to rest. We want the, the, the business to rest. And so God sees that, and God blesses it. Wisdom. God also knows that on the, on the opposite side of that, that if we just continue to work and work and work and acquire and acquire and acquire, that in the book of Proverbs it says that it's a foolish thing to wear ourselves out to get rich. And that it's a better to have a dry crust of bread than to have a house full of feasting and strife. That what ultimately God is after, and what's really neat, is it was Jesus who set the pace, himself who set the pace for us to understand what the Sabbath is to us as Christians. And what the heart of God was from the beginning. Let's look at Mark chapter 2, 23 through 28. On one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields with, with, with the guys. And they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to them, ah, look, look, why are you, they doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And notice David wasn't struck down. And also, he gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, this is Jesus, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. 
not man for the Sabbath. So the son of the man is Lord of even the Sabbath. What he was saying essentially right there, say, look, it was always in the heart of God. It was always his intention that the day be for you. It was an invitation for us to rest with him. It was to be a benefit, not to restrict us. It was to bless us. And he said, the whole point of having this day, he says, you know, what you have done with the Sabbath, Sabbath is ridiculous. When you study what the rabbis had done up to the time of Christ, Jesus was just embarrassed what they had made the religious, their Jewish faith, what they were doing with the temple, what they were doing with the Sabbath day. He looked at him and said, what have you done? What have you done to the temple? He was turning over tables. And in essence, he was doing the same thing with the Sabbath to say, you guys have made it a bunch of rules. You've turned it into some legalistic mess. You think you're earning? You think you're getting closer to God by doing all this? That's not what he intended. All the little rules of how they button their shirt and how many steps they can go. What they did was create a bunch of sub-rules to see how they could cut around and get away with as much as they could without breaking the Sabbath. That's not the heart of God at all. And that's exactly the heart of the religious man. That's, that's us. That's every human being who says, well, I'm going to do everything I can. But God is providing basic wisdom. You've got to take a break. You've got to take a break to honor me because all of this work, all of this success, all of the things you're doing, whether it be strife that you've stirred up, whether it be all the problems that you've endured or, or all the, the wonderful things that you have and you're not sure what to do with, you need to take a day to sit down and say, God, I'm grateful for what you've done for me. Or, Lord, I'm, I'm challenged by all the things that I see going on in my life. I need to take time to acknowledge you. Lord, what do you want me to do with the money you're blessing me with? Lord, how do, you know, I've got some challenges ahead. How am I going to handle that? To take time and bring it to him, that's what God wanted us to do. And then, once we've given it to him, to just rest. To just rest. You know, we see it also in the, uh, in the manna. You know, the manna came on six days, didn't come down on the seventh because they were, to ta- and they were to gather twice as much on that day before so they'd have enough for the next day. That's the heart of God. Why did he do that? Just so that they could just be a killjoy? I mean, nobody does anything cool on Sunday or Saturday in their case. Rest. Rest. Now Jesus inserts something that is so incredibly important. Is it's not just about physical even though that's important. That's big time important. Because you've heard me preach before, and I'll say it again, that we are a spirit, a soul, and a body. And we need to keep balance and health in all three. And when we ignore one, we do so to the detriment of the other two. Remember that. So, it's not just about the physical rest, although that is so incredibly important. So let's move on to what really the heart of Jesus was. And when it comes to all these commandments, we actually give birth to, we mature into the heart of God, the real heart of God for these things. And that is to bless you, to bless me, our families, our marriages, our children, our money, our future, our past, our present. He wants to bless us. He doesn't want to just restrict you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to embarrass you, expose you. He's not trying to do anything. He's not trying to make this incredibly difficult, you know, uh, uh, pathway, you know, to get to him. Not at all. He's given us a pathway that if we'll just follow it, it'll take us right to the heart, right to his heart and to the best life we could possibly live. 
So he says, look, there is a bigger issue at, at stake here, and that is the rest of our soul. How many know that you can go on vacation and it doesn't turn out to be a vacation at all? It's supposed to be rest. Spend a lot of money, you know, and bad things happen to good people. To me, if I could just trans, believe in translation and just go to where I want to be, like get 1,000 miles from here to there instead of having to drive all through that. Driving, I believe, is a demonic thing. I mean, I'm just going to be plain. I mean, I don't know what happens to people, but when you get out on 995 or I-75 or all the other I's in between, wow, humanity becomes ugly. And I must confess, I dip into that a little bit myself. So there it goes. But you lose that piece. It just goes right out the window. And here you're supposed to be vacating. Here you're supposed to have a holiday. Here you're supposed to enjoy. And you know what? It's not just the stress of that. For me, I wasn't able to enjoy the first three or four days of my vacation because why? My mom was suffering. So here I was in paradise, 95 sweltering heat here, up there 72, Canadian winds are blowing. It was awesome. I wish I could live there. Matter of fact, I've already put my order in. That's where I want to be on the new earth, okay? Just, just wanting to let you know ahead of time. But I couldn't enjoy it. Couldn't enjoy it. Didn't know if I was going to get a phone call. Your mom just passed away. Didn't know if this was going to happen, that was going to happen. I mean, I was, I was still filled with the stress. I mean, it takes you a lot of, you know, Gosh, it takes me a whole week to just decompress anyway. But having, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, I couldn't really enjoy it because why? It wasn't something really going on physically for me. It was my soul. My soul was not at rest. I wasn't able to take the monkey wrenches out of the cogwheels of what's going on inside me to really just relax. But, you know, so we live there. And so... It, we have to be reminded of this rest every single time. And what did Jesus say? He said, come to me, all you who are burdened, heavy laden with your struggles, with your money, with your struggles, with your family, with your fears, your, your, your anger, your struggles, whatever, your hopelessness, your depression. He says, bring it to me. He says, because that is how you Sabbath. How do Christians Sabbath? Is it just today? Not just today. What we now discover, when you read through the book of Hebrews, that again, it says here in Hebrews 4, verses 1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of us should fall short of it. For good news came to us, justice to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed, enter that rest. What he says, when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we ask him to be our Savior, we come into an eternal Sabbath. That was the heart of God. We now, it's like at the end of this long road of trying to be restored to the Father, this long road of theological intricacies, we now settle into the rest of what God always wanted, and it was purchased for us by his Son. What we have here, folks, is as much a celebration of the daily, moment-by-moment -moment rest we can have if we choose it. We reach for it, which is why the writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, in, in the sense of fearfulness of not go walking in it, because we can fall back into this, this stressful work, this fall back into this fear. You know, I had a little theological discussion in between services and in, in, the, in the first uh, service, and it was okay. You know, sometimes I get caught up in those, and, and, and I just wanted to tell them, look, that's what grace is all about. 
It's what the God, if you don't understand that what Jesus did on, on the cross for you is, is the end of it. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant that for you, that you no longer have to sacrifice. You, you don't have to give anything. You just have to surrender your life and walk in that rest, walk in what he did for you. When we confess our sins as in faithful and just as, as you did here today, it wasn't for God's benefit. It was for yours. It was for mine. We were making a reality in our heart of what has already been done. You see that? It's already been done. We don't re-crucify Jesus every time we, we take this. He doesn't get up there and say, oh, man, i got to get on the cross again. All those darn Christians. No. It is finished. The rest is awaiting you. So how do we Sabbath? How do we do that? Folks, we've got to make a choice. We rest in him, we rejoice in what he's done, and we repeat it. Moment to moment, day by day. Do the, does the universe, does the stars, do the moment, day and morning and, and weeks and years all represent something? Sure they do. His mercies are new every morning. Every day when the sun comes up, it should be a reminder to every one of us, man, I'm saved and going to heaven. It don't matter what happens to me. I could die to get today, and I'll be entering into paradise. I wish I could put that more into the hearts of Christians. Because if we, we, we fear death, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Not at all. We fear loss. You're not going to be looking back. We fear so many things. But God has purchased our peace. He's purchased our eternity. It is all wrapped up in him. But here's the deal. Have you ever noticed how nobody saves money for you, generally speaking? I mean, nobody's planning, really planning for your retirement. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Hey, just want to let you know I've been saving. I saved over a quarter million dollars for you. Oh, really? You're so awesome. No, they don't do that. They don't do that. And don't you be playing the lottery. Anyway, so, and you don't, you, you don't, nobody does it for you. You have to do it. You have to put it aside every day. You have to sit down. You have to budget. You have to plan. You have to think ahead. I mean, nobody does it for you. And in the same way, peace is waiting for you. The benefit of what Jesus did on the cross with this table represents, it's there. It's waiting. It's literally sitting here. But you got to come and get it. You got to come and get it which is why the scripture, and it says, let us therefore strive to enter the rest. It, we got to strive to Sabbath. Now, wait a minute. I got to work to rest? <laughs> it's an oxymoron, isn't it? It's just like, I, what are you talking about? The work is simple. There is a work, and I explained that in our study of the book of Hebrews. There is only one work, and that is to believe. That is to believe that what Jesus did was real, that it was effectual, that it was eternal, and for doggone it, it's for you. Right now, every day, every morning, uh, every morning, every moment, for the rest of your life. That's the truth. That's the work. That's the choice. That's the strife. That's the work. That's it, right there. And, and, and you may just say, well, that seems kind of simple and silly. Yeah, try it. It ain't as easy as it sounds, is it? Yeah, I know. I live there. I just went through some of that. I go through it every day when I think of you, 
When I think of the church, when I think of that building we're going on there, when I think of all the things that God's got planning and all the stuff that just keeps getting loaded up on you and you just feel like, you know, your mom is sick, you got this, you got that, you know, it gets overwhelming. But it's a choice to say, Lord, I give this to you. I can enter his rest, but it takes a choice. That's why he said it's by faith. By faith. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I know, I'm sure, whatever you struggle with, I have at some point, or I've heard of it, in all the counseling I've done. And all I can, I can confidently tell you, it doesn't matter what you're going through right now. He understands, and he's ready to receive you. He's ready to make the exchange and give you peace in exchange for whatever you're struggling. Are you angry about something? Are you depressed about something? Are you fearful about something? Is something in your past bothering you? Is the, is, are you using up all the energy of your soul just to maintain, to keep those two feet walking? You don't have to live there. You don't. Jesus purchased peace for you. He purchased a Sabbath rest. That's what it is. And, 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 and it's just so sad that if, if people only... Re, just go back and say, well, you know, it's all just about a day, Pastor David. I'm going to rest on that day. That's not enough. Not nearly enough. And not what he purchased for you to have. It has given birth to the Sabbath that is forever. The Sabbath that is yours today. Moment by moment. But folks, we've got to be diligent to enter. We've got to make the choice. Again, rest doesn't happen, and you've got to hold fast. You've got to make that exchange. You've got to take time. And, and here's just some other helpful advice. You know, when you're thinking about your life and you're thinking about what's going on inside you, at times, just learn to be aware of your own unsettledness. Maybe you bite somebody. Maybe you, you say something that's not. Maybe you're out of character with where you are. Maybe you're, you're distressed and and, and, you know, you can feel it. Maybe you're perspiring. Maybe you got some pain. Maybe you just, whatever it is, you just need to stop and say, okay, why am I doing that? What's going on? And just take a moment to reflect and just back up and say, okay, what have I thought? What have I done? What have I let into my heart? What, am I, what have I turned loose? What wild animal of, you know, fear have I let loose in my soul? And it's producing that. Just remember that that's, that's you know, outward behavioral issues come from hidden conflict. It's conflict. Find it. Find it. And give it to him. Find it and say, oh, okay. Lord, I give this to you. This is yours. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill. I don't know how I'm going to fix that relationship. I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do this or do that. I don't know. All I know is I'm giving it to you. And I'm going to walk and rest in peace because I've made the exchange. I know you got this. That's John chapter 5. If I pray, I know he hears me. If I know he hears me, then I know I will receive what I ask of him. That only happens through faith. Period. So how do we as Christians at Sabbath? We make the choice to enter into his rest. There's tremendous wisdom that God has for us. Tremendous wisdom. You know, it's interesting. When it comes to, you know, those three things, which I want to reiterate real quickly, that one, physical, to take a day to physically rest our body. Two, to take time to honor God and remember that he is the source of it all. And then finally, to enter into rest by faith in the work of Christ for you 
that he cares, he knows, and as you stop working and striving but putting your hope in him, then all of that rest on the inside will begin to transform you. We know that one of the biggest creators of, of uh, disease, I mean, talk to any doctor. We know what the, the biggest culprit is. What is it? Stress. See, you know. You know. And God has a solution for that. You know, in, J- in Japan, I'll finish with this. In Japan, a little disturbing, but they created a, a new disease in the 80s and 90s. And they didn't know what was causing it. And, and, and I mean, we know. And I guess they eventually figured it out was that these young 20s and 30-year-olds were sitting at their desk, and they were literally falling over their desk, dying. I mean, literally, just they're at their keyboards, falling out. And it became somewhat of an epidemic, and they're trying to figure out what was going on. Folks, you know what they were doing? They were working themselves to death. They were working. They weren't taking any time. They were getting very little sleep. They were so competitive that they were always trying to get the edge. Well, they were working themselves to death. They didn't know why. They couldn't even find any physical. There was no, pre-con, con, no preconditional diseases. There was nothing. These were healthy young adults just falling over dead. Interesting, isn't it? God made us for rest. God made us for rest. It's his wisdom. He invites us to rest with him. Rest your body, folks. Take some time. Rest your soul. Rest by coming to God and giving it all to him. Rest in the truth that Jesus is your Savior. He's your Lord. He cares. He wants to make the exchange with you. He wants us to come boldly to his throne of grace with whatever we have in whatever our time of need is. You know, we're getting ready to start a new season. Kids going back to school, college, different things. Kind of stirs up a whole new sense of, of excitement, maybe. And then it just, you know, and all the challenges that come with it. Wouldn't it be awesome that we start this new season, which is the heart of God, by the way. Seasons is another time clock. Time of harvest. Maybe it's time for us to harvest this truth right here. Amen. Why don't you join me? Let's stand up this morning. Thanks for joining our live stream today. Make sure to like our Facebook page. And if you want more information about us, make sure to visit us at our website, valleychurch.us. Or go and download our Valley Church app called Valley Church Weldon. If you feel led to give today, you can give on our website and on our home.